0: Here at CFC, if you do not know me, uh, hopefully you do by now. If not, if you're visiting today, hi, how's it going? Uh, so, I want to be talking to you guys today. It's called Please Play With Me. And so, you may be wondering, oh, don't look, don't look, okay. <laughs> Technical difficulty, sorry, that was on me. So, we are going to be talking about play today. And so, you might immediately be like, oh boy. What on earth does that even mean? So let me define play for you a little bit uh, before we dive in. Play can loosely be defined not just as playing games or playing with your imagination or or anything like that. Play can loosely be defined as really anything that you are doing for enjoyment or for pleasure. And so that concept, that definition is kind of what we will be working with today. I'm going to ask you guys to uh, stand up just real quick. And you're just going to get nice and loose, because we're going to have some fun today. So shake it out, shake it out, and stretch around. There you go. All right, hopefully you guys are ready to have some fun. You can be seated, and I am actually going to ask John and Tim to come on back up here for a little game called Carrot in a Box. So now you have your answer, what's in the box? Well, at least one of them is going to have a carrot. So, yeah, sure, pick your, pick your box. Don't look inside yet. Alright, cool. So, there's a carrot in one of these boxes. And whoever gets the box with the carrot inside is the winner. Easy, right? Simple, okay? So here's how it is going to work. John, You're going to be person A. John is going to be allowed to look inside his box. All right? And once he has looked inside his box, he will now know whether his box has the carrot or does not have the carrot. And then he will decide whether or not he wants to keep his box or switch it with Tim's, who will be person B. Person B does not get to look in either box and will have to make a decision based on anything that John says anything he can glean from the situation as to whether he wants to keep the box that he has, whether John switched it or not, or if he doesn't trust John and wants to switch him back so that he gets the carrot. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So John, make sure you don't show anyone. You can take a peek in your box. All righty. So John, what do you think? What do you want to do? Do you want to keep there your is box? There There's no, one. Yeah. One has, one has a carrot and one does not. No, I don't want this box. You don't want the box. So are you going to switch them? Yeah, let's switch You're going to switch it? Okay. You sure? But if I pick it up, you might hear my carrot. I mean, the no
1: carrot.
0: Oh, trust me. I taped this carrot down. There's no rustling. So we are all good. Switch them. Switch em. A carrot, both of them. All right. So. Now, what do you guys think? Did John just tell a big old fib in church? <laughs> your wife says yes, so I don't know about that. You might, might have got sold out. So, Tim, you are not allowed to look in either box. Based on what you know about John and that big old grin on his face, you need to decide, are you going to keep your box or switch it? It's inconceivable. <laughs> A perfect princess bride quote. What I know of John <laughs> is the key. Yeah. John's saved. He wouldn't lie. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so he doesn't want this box. So therefore the carrot is not in box. Okay. But then again, John <laughs> is <my brother. laughs> He may want me to win. That's true. Mm. Therefore he might put the carrot. On my side. I like it. John was also raised (laughs) a Catholic. You You could lie and then just go confess. (laughs) 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 But that's past. We didn't rehearse (laughs) this. No. I don't even know which one actually has the carrot. (laughs) John's competitive. He wants the carrot. It's in that box. I want that box. You want that box? All right, switch them. Without looking inside? All right. So now we get to find out. I'm real excited to see how this turns out. All right. Tim.
1: Yes,
0: sir. Open your box. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Not how that works. (laughs) <laughs> your box the box that was previously yours it's on my side. there's a carrot <laughs> there really is a carrot <laughs> really is a carrot, carrot taped down in the box <laughs> oh good job so Tim you won you perceive the situation well what's in that box? air? and this box is, there really is <laughs> nothing <laughs> are we done? you guys are done great job everyone hey if you want you guys can have a jolly rancher on your way out yeah, sure. Of course we get one. Everyone's a winner. Well done, well done. Thank you for playing Carrot in a Box. So I have one other game for you guys before we, we dive in. Because we've got to get ready. If we're going to talk about play, we've got to play. We've got to have some fun. And this is called I Need. So I will put out my hand and say that I need, and I'll say something. And whoever can bring it to me and put it in my hand first, wins. So, you guys ready for this? I need a left shoe. (laughs) That was perfect. Technically, Allie's stayed in my hand. So you did a good job. Here's, here's a Jolly Rancher. Yours actually, that was, that was dead on. David Goldplate threw it directly into my hand. That was pretty good. All right, a couple more, couple more. I need a golf pencil. A little golf pencil. <laughs> no one can find one? I guess not. <laughs> Bob Atha's got one. <laughs> Bam. Good job, Bob. Would you like a Jolly Rancher? Okay. Sounds good. All right. I need, can you make sure? A Bible or a Bible app. <laughs> I thought Jeannie was going to sneak up on you there. (laughs) You want a Jolly Rancher, David? (laughs) No. No, okay. All right, that was good, that was good. I need chapstick. (laughs) Mark is ready. (laughs) Good job. Mark, do you want your chapstick back or a Jolly Rancher? You want Jolly Rancher too? Yeah, sure. Do you want blue? Blue raspberry, no? Grape? Yeah. I'm not very good at throwing things, so that was pretty good for me. All right. What? Oh, you're just ready. OK, OK. I like it. I need I need. a Kleenex, please, unused. <laughs> well done, Barrett. Barrett, did you see the slide coming up? Do you want a Jolly Rancher? Good job, good job. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, in our day and age, this one might be a little bit trickier because I need exactly 41 cents. (laughs) I hear all the clinking of change, and it's very exciting to me. Do you have exactly 41 cents? Exactly cents. Gotta count it out. Bam! Oh. Let me count. Twenty-five. She's, she's good at math. 41 cents. You want another Jolly Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. Do you want another Jolly Ranger? Sure? sure. How's a cherry sound? Alright. Two more. I know all of you have this next one. Because I need pocket lint. Oh, no. I lost it. I need pocket lint. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, that's pocket lint, all right. (laughs) Jolly Rancher grape? (laughs) All right, this next one is going to be my favorite one. And I will will let you all decide exactly how you want to sort this one out. Because I need... Oh, there we go. Thank you. I need a selfie with an elder. (laughs) (laughs) So So if you already have one handy, or if you need to go snap a picture with your phone real quick, you can do that. (laughs) 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 Let me see. Where is it? Does he have to participate? Ah! That was I totally... I totally got a selfie of her taking a selfie with a knife. The yeah, <laughs> these are all beautiful. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, get it. Well done, Roger Bill. Thanks for being good sports for that one. All right. So now we've played some games. Now we're all we're loose. We're ready, we've laughed together, and we're ready to learn together. This will be uh, a little bit shorter, but I think it will be good. It's something that's been on my heart for quite a while, uh, and this has been a, you know, Dan Rohrs always says he gave uh, a sermon that took 35 years to prepare for. Uh, this has been one for me going on since I was in high school and, and growing and learning and, and stretching, and so excited to be able to bring that to you all, and hopefully you all can connect with it. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 6. If you want to turn there in your, in your Bibles or in your Bible app, uh, it's going to be about a third of the way into the Bible. Uh, you're going to be looking for 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And while we're talking about that, I'm going to say that this is actually, if any of you remember, and I'm sure you don't, I had a, a, a message that I gave way back in September, called Please Pray With Me. And so in that one, we talked about Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane and, and praying for one another, with one another, over one another. And so it seems funny that play would be a, a next logical step, but there's some intentionality behind that. Uh, and part of this is because if play is something that we are doing to, to have pleasure, enjoyment, then prayer is one of the absolute best ways that we play with God. We get to have a conversation with him. We get to engage in discussion. We get to to bring things to God. We get to see what he can help us out with. And we can... Hi, baby Claire. She smiled at me. And he can, just as if I am excited to see my little baby down here on the first row, he is excited to talk to us and see us. And so if that is the case, if play, which isn't always necessarily... Uh, uh, defined as games or anything, and and it is that we do it for pleasure, we do it for enjoyment, we do it for connection, then prayer is the highest form of play with God, and he loves to play with us in that space. So today, we're going to be talking about worship as a form of play with God, because here's the, the fun comparison with worship and play. When you play, no one can force you to play. If you are being forced, then it is not for pleasure or enjoyment. You are doing it because um, maybe someone's begging you to do it. Maybe you have a little one at home that is just begging you to play a board game with them, and you would much rather be going to bed or just watching TV, had a long day at work, whatever. Play cannot be forced, and worship is very much the same way. If you are coming into a space for worship, and you are not ready to engage, to to uh, enjoy it, to, to get pleasure out of it in your connection time with God, then is it really worship at all? And that's kind of a hard thing to think about when we talk about play and worship and prayer, and it all seems kind of silly. But just as we played these games and we got to uh, laugh together, grow together, uh, we, we had fun with it, all those things bring us closer together as a body uh, and as the individuals that get to play and participate. And worship should be that same experience. We go into it seeking it. We want to be worshiping. We want to grow. We want to have enjoyment in that space with God and with others. And so that is our setup as we are getting ready to dive into 2 Samuel 6. And I need to give a little bit of context for this passage. Because Just reading 2 Samuel 6 on its own, seems a little weird. So, real quick, we're going to look at King David in this time leading up to it. So, David was, when he was a a young shepherd boy, uh, God said, hey, this is the guy that I want to be king of my people. So he gets anointed basically ends up in in King Saul's service during the time of King Saul, and he is serving him, uh, and and there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that, but we're just trying to breeze through here real quick. And during that time, David gets really close with Saul and really close with Jonathan, Saul's son, who became one of David's best friends. And that's an important step in in the context here. Because we move forward in David's timeline, and eventually Saul is hunting him down Saul sees David as a threat to his kingship. Saul has stepped away from the path that God had put him on. Saul no longer wanted to serve Israel as God's chosen. And he saw that David was being brought up and being chosen by God to replace him, and that threatened Saul. So Saul uh, ended up chasing David all over the country, tried to kill him on multiple occasions, and every time that David had a chance to retaliate, David saw not to because He still saw Saul as the king of Israel, God's anointed king. And we go through, and and essentially as we we go through their life, Saul's being chased around, uh, or David's being chased around by Saul. And we get to a point in the story where some of Israel is acknowledging David as king. And they have seen all the stuff that Saul's been going through and the, the inappropriate behavior. And so the kingdom gets divided. Some are following David some are following Saul, and, and David has his, his own little army, basically, that he is, is traipsing around the country, always still trying to do good things for, for God's kingdom for Israel um, in the midst of everything going on. But then Saul ends up getting killed, and there's a whole other story with that, but Saul and, importantly, Jonathan, David's best friend, Saul's son, ends up getting killed as well. And so we end up with 2 Samuel, is David being told that Saul and Jonathan have been killed. And people are rejoicing. And David mourns and grieves for a full day for the loss of Saul, God's anointed king. Even though Saul had done all these horrible things to him and his family. And then as we move on, we get to see that David is taking the, the, par- the portion of Israel that is seeing him as their king, and he's, he's running with it. He's, he's doing his thing. Uh, and a fun little fact here you could even argue that David was actually both the second and the third king of Israel because Saul's other son, whose name is Ishbosheth, which is just a great one if any of you are having kids and want a name, uh, Ishbosheth. Uh, that's going to be mine and Kayla's second child, Ish-beth, ish Ish-bosheth Miller. Uh, and he's like, you know what, Saul was my dad. He was the king. I deserve to be king and basically demanded that the the, parts, the portion of Israel that had not decided to follow, David should follow him. And he takes kingship. They end up going to war several different times. eventually, David becomes the king of all of Israel uh, through, through a series of long strings of events. And this is where we're starting to move into 2 Samuel chapter 6 because there's this thing called the, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Lord. And if you guys can remember that, that was way back in Israel's history to the time of Moses. As they are having the temple moving around, and that is like the, the Ark is the, wherever the Ark is is where they worship. And at some point in Israel's history, they had lost the Ark of the Covenant. And so David as he is being, becoming crowned king, the Philistines get word of it, and they're like, man, we hate that guy. He killed Goliath. They have been, the Israelites have been nothing but trouble. We're going we're gonna to storm them with everything we got. And David and the Israelites crush the Philistines, get the Ark of the Covenant back. And so this is an exciting, exciting time for Israel. They have lost the Ark of the Lord. It has been gone. They haven't been able to, to really have their place that they have associated their worship of God with this Ark has been gone, it has been out of their presence for so long, and David is bringing it back. And there's a weird story in there where the Ark of the Covenant starts to fall, a guy reaches out, touches it, and dies, and then David's like, whoa, this thing's way too dangerous to be back in, in uh, Jerusalem, so I'm just going to leave it at some dude's house, basically. Uh, Obed-Edom is his name. And so that's where we're picking up. We have seen David's trials with with everything going on as he has been anointed by God to be the future king of Israel as he's become the king of Israel, and he has secured the Ark of the Covenant, and this is an exciting, exciting thing to get this Ark back. And now we are fully caught up for this. We're going to dive in with verse 12. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the Ark of God. And so that is the, the guy where they dropped off the Ark before. And it's been about three months since then. So David went there and brought the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. He's bringing it now fully into Jerusalem. After the men who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And so that is his way of engaging, recognizing this is a holy thing going before us. We're going to bring sacrifices to, the, to, to God, and make sure that this is, is pure, ready to go into his city. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. And so I love this imagery because I imagine someone dancing with all their might is just like aggressively shimmying towards you or something like that. And I just love it. I love that imagery. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> And so we see David, he is, he is inaugurated, the Ark of the Covenant is coming in, into the city of Jerusalem, it's this big exciting thing, we're going to sacrifice, provide the path, we're going to cleanse and make holy the path to Jerusalem. And he leads into the city, dancing with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. And so, there's a little weird thing, if you guys have ever heard the story that, that David was probably naked here, uh, or just wearing basically his undies. Um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. That's just a fun little side, side note. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that later. But so, David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. So this was a huge celebration. David, who is, this is one of his first kingly acts. This is probably the greatest moment up to this point of his entire kingship of Israel and he runs into the city, and he is dancing with everything he has got. And the people of Israel are shouting with joy and playing instruments. And then the story starts to shift perspective a little. But as the Ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, who is David's wife, looked down from her window. She was not participating in the worship that was going on in this joyous celebration. She was watching from afar. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. She was not happy with what she was seeing. So they brought the Ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. The temple does not get built until after King David with King Solomon. So they had the, the, the tent of meeting, the tent of worship, from the days of Moses, was probably still the main practice and the place where we worshipped. So they are bringing the ark back into the place where it is supposed to be. And the, the, the Israelites and the Jewish people had an idea that you could not worship apart from where God's presence was, and they said God's presence was with the ark, and so they, for, what, for all we know, have been basically unable to fully worship up until this moment which explains the shouts of joy, the celebration of the ark finally being brought to where it was meant to be the entire time. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished the sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. So he brings it and he blesses the people. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. I'm not entirely sure What all those meant symbolically, but free food. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said in disgust, How distinguished the the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And so Michal, who was watching from afar the celebration of this event, is now chewing out her husband, the king of Israel, and complaining about how, how he you know, didn't do what a king should do. And so we go back to that scene real quick, and we'll explain some of this stuff. Um, the, the Hebrew there for exposing isn't necessarily what we think of as exposing himself, if you will. Uh, he was probably not actually dancing naked. It says he was wearing a priestly garment, and if you look in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the priestly garments are actually very done up. There's many layers, multiple layers to it. But in the Hebrew, that word exposing has the idea of exposing one's true self. And usually when it's exposing nakedness, it actually has nakedness combined with the word exposing. And so her issue is not that he was flaunting himself, running around the city naked. But that he was showing his true colors, wearing a priestly garment. He was bringing back the ark of God, bringing back the presence of God in their mind to Jerusalem, back to the people where it was always meant to be. And so he dresses up as a high priest. He sacrificed along the way to reveal that this is a holy process. This is a, a pure process, if you're thinking of the impurity laws. And so, this is where we start to see things get exposed a little bit. If David is coming in as a high priest, bring in the ark of God, bringing God's presence back to Jerusalem, and he is doing it with such joy that he is dancing with all of his might, then I think that begins to speak to us, and we'll we'll hit on this more later. But for now, we also want to acknowledge that Michal was watching from afar. She was not engaging in it. She did not come into this celebration looking to celebrate. She was looking for things to go wrong. She was observing and watching instead of participating. And our conversation gets really interesting because David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father, ouch, and all his family, ouch again. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. I so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So his response is Yes. I did it. I I owned up to it. I got super into what was going on. He's like, I have been chosen. I have, you know, God has given me this, this task, and so I'm going to do it with everything that I have. And furthermore, he says, I will do even more than this if it means truly engaging with God. And so as we're talking about worship as a form of play. I can't think of a better example in scripture than David dancing with all of his might as he is bringing in and ushering in God's presence to the people. And so I think that is a perfect example for us to see our opportunities to worship. And whatever that means, I was, I was standing in the back on purpose today watching some of you worship. I know, I'm creepy. And I saw a lot of different worship postures, if you will. Uh, There are some of you who had hands in the air. Some of you had uh, the the hands at the side. Uh, And then uh, one one couple in particular that I was like, oh, my heart. They were holding hands as they were worshiping and swaying back and forth. How cute, how adorable. And uh, I love that picture of worshiping together as husband and wife. And so it's not, this is not about how you worship. Because here's the thing. As David says it, really well. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. And I think that is a powerful statement. Worship, and this is where I I get to come down on you guys a little bit, but realize this has been something working on me for a long time. Worship is not about you. Worship is not about the person standing next to you, worship is not about the person singing off-key two rows behind you. My dad cannot sing a tune. He cannot hit a note to save his life. But that man loves to worship. Because worship is celebrating before the Lord. And if that isn't a form of play with God, then I don't know what is. Because if worship isn't for us and worship is for God and we go into it and we are excited and we are ready And we know that something great is going to happen. And the fact that we get to simply just praise and worship and be with God's people and with God. And we get pleasure and enjoyment out of that. Or we should, or else we end up like Mikal, who watches, observes from afar, and judges. And by the end of it, even gets a little bit of vindication and punishment from that to some degree, because this chapter ends. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. If she could not engage in enjoyment and pleasure and worship before God, then I think (laughs) Thank you, Claire. Then I think that that says a lot about her character, her person, and about her heart for following the Lord. And so God kind of withdraws his presence from her in that as she is not willing to engage with him, uh, it seems that God was, was not willing to, to see fit to give her children. And that had a, a lot to do with a woman's worth back then. And so there's, there's a lot of, of that that isn't just about children. It's not just about um, what it means to be a woman. It means a lot more with uh, what, where am I at? What am I doing? And so don't read too much into the, the, the childless throughout her entire life part. Read into it that if we are caught seeing worship, and worship can be a lot of other things, there's a lot we can throw in there, and I'm not going to get into that, but if we see worship as something to watch from afar, not engage in, and to judge, then we have sorely missed the point. So, one, one other thing uh, as we begin to wrap up here is uh, talking about worship and play and what that means and how we engage with that is I want to acknowledge sometimes, not here, our, our guys are great, you guys are great. Uh, no, let's be honest. Here sometimes, people are going to play a wrong note. People are going to sing off key. People are going to mess up. The, the amps are going to buzz. The speakers are going to go out. Uh, there's a hundred different things that could go wrong just in a music worship setting. And there's going to be distractions and there's going to be other things going on. And the point of it is that that stuff doesn't matter. If we are coming into a space prepared to enjoy God's presence and really give in to that, then the rest is, is extra. And yeah, we want to have fun. We want to have good quality music. We want to have um, you know, all, all the things that, that we like uh, about worship or about worship through music or, or worship through any kind of experience there. You can, you can plug in a lot of things. But that is secondary. What is primary is our hearts going into it, ready to seek to enjoy the presence of God and the presence of his people. So, my final challenge for you guys today, there's a a podcast I like to listen to and a a family of three brothers, uh, and so they uh, do um, this goofy thing where they give advice to people that ask questions on Yahoo uh, questions or Yahoo Answers um, which if you've ever been on Yahoo Answers website, people ask some crazy questions and when they are playing and riffing off of a, a, a question or an answer that they're giving, one of them, Griffin, will sometimes be trying to like explore and be funny and, and do this thing and his brothers will be like trying to go off another another direction and he says, play with me in this space. And I think that phrase right there is what immediately comes to mind as I think about this, is God is saying, play with me in this space. I am so excited that you are here, and I want you to be excited. I am ready to enjoy your presence. I am ready to see you, to hear you. And he wants us to feel the same way. So the final challenge for you guys is play with me in this space today. We're going to have some fellowship, and that can be a form of worship. We're going we're gonna to have some good food. We're going to have um, some, some closing songs here. But whatever that looks like for you, embrace the joy and pleasure of worship before God. So I'll pray for us. Worship team, you guys can, can come up. And then after they're done with the last song, I want to throw in a, a quick uh, announcement and directions as we begin our chili lunch. So don't move until I come back up here. Our Father, we thank you that we could come today and play with you in this space. We thank you that we had opportunities to laugh, we had opportunities to enjoy one another's company, and we will continue to have those opportunities today. But Father, we thank you so much that we can take the time to enjoy your presence today. And that you enjoy our presence as well. So as we worship, as we play, today. God, we pray that you would be with all of us, and if there's anything that is holding us back from fully engaging during times of worship, that you would bring those to us and challenge us on those things. Lord, we love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.